Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emigan Awardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you. Whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. Trini Woodall is making a very welcome return to the podcast in this episode, And if you're listening to this when it goes live, it's the first episode of The Emma Gunn Show of 2020. A new year, a new decade, and what a way to start. Trini came on the show about three years ago when her beauty business, Trini London, was in its infancy. We talked about starting a business, growing a business, having the confidence in your business idea in the first place to get people to come along with you for the ride, and the really vital role that failure plays in any success. It was a really interesting conversation and I'll link to it in the show notes because um, it might be one that you want to revisit. Or if you haven't heard it, you might want to hear it for the first time after listening to this. Then of course, Trini returned with Caroline Hirons and Nadine Baggett for what has definitely been one of the most downloaded episodes I have ever published. And the one from the feedback that has made people laugh and hoot and holler the most. I asked Trini back on the show because I like her very much and it's always a pleasure to chat to her, but also because I wanted to check in and see really what's happened since we last spoke in terms of the business, what she's learned, whether it's about business specifically or how she's now managing the business and other parts of her life. So Trini London is growing and expanding and going from strength to strength and If you're not aware, and please make yourself aware, I will put the link in the show notes. Trini London is a beauty brand that sort of very crudely is based on stacks. So that's pots of products you can stack together. They take up a lot less room, but they're still very high performance. She puts a lot of what goes into those pots is really, really quite astounding. And I use the makeup all of the time. I think it's absolutely genius and brilliant and I love them. But I wanted to capture this conversation about what's really happened since the last conversation we had one-on-one. Because Trini speaks so thoughtfully and carefully and you get a sense when you speak to her, when you listen to her, that she's really considered what she's saying and she's not just rattling off a series of random thoughts and feelings in whatever order they come to her. I listened back to this podcast recently and I got so much out of it even second time around. I really, really sort of wish I'd been back in the room to say, oh, what about this? What about that? Because she was just delivering a lot of really, really wonderful stuff. I really enjoyed it. So this was a real dialogue, a real back and forth. And I think on the day, for various reasons, we were both looking for answers. We both needed a bit of a deep and meaningful and a bit of camaraderie. And we ended up talking about business, yes, but also venturing into more personal territory. Things like losing your temper and what that loss of control can be a sign of, whether it's not being comfortable expressing yourself or feeling frustrated that you're not being heard. We chat about friendships and how life, work and technology is actually disconnecting us from the people we want to be connected to and like really connected to. We talk a little about spirituality, about not clinging on to the past or the future and instead focusing on the present and why sometimes moving forward means making peace with and letting go of something that's behind you. And also 
of where you can sometimes allow excesses to sneak into your lives. She asked me a really interesting question, sort of towards the middle, second half of the show. Um, And actually, it was was really thoughtful. It made me really think after the fact, even after the recording, I kept thinking about it. I think that's such an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of that. So there is a lot here, and I'm so keen for you to hear it. So let's crack on. But there is some housekeeping. We recorded at Twinny London Day. Twinny London's HQ. So you can, from time to time, hear a little bit of the bustle of a busy office behind us. It's not offensive. But within the first 20 minutes, the fire alarm did go off twice. Do not worry, I have snipped it out, so you don't have to hover over the volume control. But if you wonder in those first 20 minutes why we see, why the conversation seems to jump, that's the reason why. It's just I wanted to keep the shrill alarm out of your earphones, earbuds, however it is that you are listening to this podcast. It's such a pleasure to have Trini back. So here she is, Trini Woodall on The Emma Gunn Show. Trini, welcome back. Hello, darling. I'm actually, as I'm talking to you, I'm just looking in the mirror thinking I look like God's death. So I've done two things. And, I feel and it's not much, is it? No, it's not you much. You just use I've your product. I've literally, <laughs> I'm just putting an eye gloss on my eyes. Why the fuck not? It's that kind of morning. Um, and, and there, you see, look. Better? Yeah. I, even doing a podcast when nobody's looking, there's an emotional element to how you sound according to how you feel. I 100% agree. You put your makeup on to do your podcast. Yeah, even if I've got a day of podcasting at home and I'm doing the midweek shows or I'm just recording the introductions, I can't just sit there. I mean, it might be minimal makeup, but I have to have mascara on. Is this minimal today? No, I've got a full day. Yeah. Emma's got a full face, but a really nice full face. I want to take some bit off and actually put on some Trini London. But she has, as we all know, the most incredible green eyes we've nearly all seen. I don't know how often you see the pictures of Emma close up. She has this incredible green eye, which is like, it's the colour of it. I just want to describe your green, because the outer bit of the green, it means you can wear black more than nearly any other person on the planet, by the way. It's very lucky, because I know you wear a bit of it. But it's like this sort of yellowy green inside, Mm. and then this green, green, tealy green on the outside. Just magical. I'm obsessed with teal at the moment as well, so I'm thrilled that you described them as teal. (laughs) (laughs) I've never described night as teal before, but it is teal. I went into into Home Sense the other day and was just, right, I want anything teal. (sighs) When one gets a colour in one's head. I know, right? It's just, I mean, I've been doing, this weekend, I spent, I've got like this upstairs unit, which is where I do all my closet concessions from, which mm. I do on a, on a weekend. And um, and it's my most po- popular, forget, <laughs> no, don't want to know about makeup, don't want to, whatever. But, but these closet confessions are really that emotional relationship we have with clothes. Mm. And so I was looking at colours and I did navy a few days ago and I realised how anal I am when I I had 19 navy blazers and I was trying to <laughs> differentiate the different navies you can't wear with or without each other. So colours are so important. Mm. Like teal with navy, mm, difficult. Barry, what would you pair teal with? Mustard. Really? Beautiful. Chartreuse. Incredible. Turquoise. Hmm. Turquoise, chartreuse, and teal together are one of the most beautiful families. Oh. Yeah. I, would I wear that eye collection if you made it for Trini London? Oh, eye collection. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how the colours we suit are the colours we suit anywhere it might be. Mm. So, like, when I did this kind of match to me on the site, yeah. that was about, for listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, but in um, in getting women to understand how easy it could be to buy makeup online, it was about letting them feel they could trust me that I would say which colours suit them. Yeah. So 
looking at how we built that was very much how I look at a woman when I look at dressing her. Mm. And I look at her skin, hair and eye combination. There used to be a book written, I think, in the 70s called Color Me Beautiful. Yeah. You remember this book? Iconic book. But so complicated. Are you an autumn, a winter, a spring or a summer? But Mm. many women embrace this book in the 80s and then they would always say to me am I autumn winter spring or summer and I say mm-hmm. look you'll call me it a warm can we just make it simpler <laughs> so Suzanne and I did a book which is I think our third book which is I what you wear can change books, your life by the way. <laughs> and that one had color and I remember I spent six months researching color really yeah and I just had I was surrounded by Pantone books and I would look at like if you suit that color blue what's the three accents you wear with that color mm. and I looked at it a few days ago, because I hadn't used it so much when we were doing deciding which colour to use for makeup, because we used women coming in, we had about 600 women come in, mm. we'd make them up, Shasha, who has worked with me for years, and me, and then we'd work out what, what skin hair and eye they were and which products they suited. Mm. And then I saw all the colours, thank God, <laughs> would be the same as if, if they were doing it for their face oh. and their, their clothing, yeah. I remember Colour Me Beautiful as being the era when women would wear either... A pale blue, bright pink, or like an orange scarf, and that would be because that's my family. Yes, that's so true. Do you remember? (laughs) And I had a half sister. I have a few halves in my life. (laughs) I had a half sister, Liz, and she got so into it. And when I was doing what not to wear, and I was dressing women, and she'd always call me up occasionally and leave a message saying, "Mm, "Was that the right? You know, was that the right (laughs) shade?" Or you know, and she wanted me to be an autumn desperately desperately wanted me to be an autumn whenever I wore the sort of mustard and rust and olive green I'd be going vomit right you know but um yeah so <laughs> you've got to it's a mixture with color of what generally suits you but also what makes you feel good yes and that's the magic mm. that really mm. is the magic so that's you you mentioned match to me so let's talk about that because the last time you came on the show prior to the the epic adventure yes. with Caroline <laughs> Which we will repeat in the new year. <laughs> Which, yeah, it is in the works, listeners. Is um, uh, You came on and it was really early days of Trinity London. It was all very exciting and the stack was quite new, but it's all so established now. But let's just, for anyone who maybe hasn't caught up with that episode or maybe isn't familiar, would you mind just recapping back to me in the beginning of Trinity London and what really this brand does for women? Well, I kind of had the idea for the brand... I thought five years before I started, but recently I was in Australia with her doing a tour there and Ray Morris, a makeup artist there. And she said, Trini, I remember you came and you already had a stack in your hand. You were describing it to me. So it's amazing how much we forget how long we've had an Mm. idea because the idea was so much inside my head Mm. and I would do it for myself. And there's that nervousness when you're beginning with an idea where it might become a business where you think, is it just for me or can it be mainstream? And Mm. I knew that I loved the way that I could get these formulas which I'd mushed together to create the foundation that I felt didn't sit on the skin, the mm. blusher that was the right, you know, rubbing it in as I rub it into my cheeks now, um, the right lip glow with a kind of nice hydration. So all these textures which I created, and I must, like the foundation I remember was nine different products put together. Mm. I took a bit of Bobbi Brown, a bit of Chanel Lumiere, a bit of mm. a bit of Valmore skin perfecting oh, kind wow. of cream I mean tons of stuff and I just got to this texture which I thought I'll rub that in rub that in and I won't see it so probably about three years before I launched I thought okay I'm ready and I had two ideas on the table I'd stopped doing telly and then I had an idea with my sister but I kind of felt I don't know if it's a good idea to go into business with your sister mm. especially one that's four years older <laughs> um so I 
then luckily actually then made the decision to do something. And I think also because I'd had Susanna as a partner for like 20 years and I thought I want it to be make or break just on me. So I'm not carrying somebody yeah. or I'm not being carried by somebody else. And I think that also was a decision. It was the riskiest time to do it. I had got divorced. I was earning the least money I'd ever earned in 10 years. I was living in a house that I couldn't afford. So all those things contributed to me saying, now is the time. Was it putting your name on a brand? Because that's another thing we can come back to. But doing it on your own, was it because you... You, there was some part of you that just said, I just need to know that anything, any success I have is mine, all mine. I think, yes, there is always an element. This is my idea that I'm going to bring to market. So I want my name on it and I want to take responsibility for every element of it. Mm. And you kind of always think before you launch a business, there's a part of you. It was very similar to going through IVF when I was fundraising. I would think... It's never not going to happen, but is it going to happen? Right. You know, there was that mm. time for about six months when I was trying to convince tech people that it was a really good tech idea and product people that we should do it online. Mm. And both of them felt I, they want to separate out the businesses. The tech people wanted me to do a sort of third-party match to me for everything, which is actually a nice idea, mm. like far-fetched for makeup. And mm. the um, product-led investors said, why don't you just do products and sell them in shops? Mm. And I kind of knew that I wanted this hybrid. And sticking to your convictions and and believing even though it's unproven believing that you think that is the right way mm. is the thing that you most need to hold on to whatever else is spinning and mm. there were lots of spinning plates and I think I did always have a sense that why shouldn't women of any age but especially women 40 to 60 go online and buy makeup mm. why shouldn't they be able to do that and that's where the world is heading and how can they have a really lovely experience doing it and how can they trust? So trust is the most important thing mm. in online to me. Mm. And trust comes from a heritage of, you, you know, you bring with you some people who've trusted you already for a long time. But it's those new people. And when I started doing social media properly about three years, two years before I launched, you know, up to that stage, I had 6,000 followers on Instagram. And then I I look back now and I realise that like 2014 when I started or 2013 I started Instagram. But by 2014 I was only doing films on Instagram. Mm. And I just knew that I wasn't good in a photograph and I wanted to talk to people. Mm. You know I can endlessly chat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's I one wanted of my favourite things about you. <laughs> I wanted to talk to people. And so we started these conversations and I found this audience and some were new and some were old timers. And then I kind of felt the support already of those women. And I think where we're heading now is a very interesting time in terms of what influences women to make purchasing decisions mm. and what, who we're influenced by and how influences are evolving and how, you know, communities are to me the most important thing mm. and how we can grow those communities. So this community started and I think because I, my, you know, my remit, to me was I was starting this brand, I, I, I felt I wanted to give every woman who listened as much information as I could that was unbiased and it was free. Mm. You know, I liked the idea that you could give your opinions and I wasn't being paid by somebody or I wasn't wanting a product for free. They, it just was a very mm. pure play. So I picked up women who, who just responded to that and yeah. they liked that pure play. Um, and sometimes it was inconvenient for them because they'll say, oh, can you have, give a link? Because they were so used to influencers giving a link mm. and just 
I just didn't give links because I felt, oh, that would look like I'm being paid and I'm not being paid, so I won't give a link. And I remember that dilemma I had mm. about wanting them to have a great experience. But even now, you know, I'll do... On the weekend, I did Closet Confessions jeans and... You know, there were perhaps 150,000 people watched and there were like 600 comments and maybe 200 of them said, can you put the link into the next gene? And I was like, no. I, I, and I also I answer every single comment. Okay? <laughs> um, and I said, I bought them last year. I can't. And I don't do links. <laughs> and I just had to copy and paste that all the time. But, mm. but it's because there's this little part of me that I find it really, really important that you know I'm going to chat to you about Trini London endlessly. Mm. And if you don't mind hearing... That's great. And I'm going to give you lots of free information. So mm. I like that growth. And when I launched the brand, when we, I met you soon after that, mm. we were a little business. We were eight, 10 people in a little house off the Fulham Road. And we had the first year, nice growth, nice customer base. But, you know, for tech firms, we weren't growing like tech growing. Mm. And then the second year, suddenly I felt... And the, the best way I can um, describe when you see, you can see by numbers the um, momentum you have in the market. Mm. But the way I see it best is where I am and where some woman will bring out and show me her stack. So when I started, it would be on the King's Road mm. or it might be maybe once or twice at Heathrow, you know, that kind of thing. But then I went to Australia and I was in Dublin and I was traveling a bit last month and in the weirdest places, women would rush up and say, I've got my stack. And I also knew, you know, we ship now 56 countries. We have 130,000 customers. Mm. You know, I know how many people now have, have it. So I know how much we've grown. And I know mm. from um, the growth in sales and the growth, you know, we. I think the, the most important milestone I reached in months 20 is we broke even. Mm. And that's like I had always wanted to break even under two years because it means that... I can go for another fundraise or I can think, okay, I'll just grow the business. And that's a very tricky one because in this day and age, you're either a sort of tech entrepreneur and you mm. keep getting fundraise after fundraise or you're Chrissy Rucker, white company founder, owns mm. 100% of her business mm. and grew it over 20 years and mm. has a phenomenally successful business. And, you know, whenever she would need cash, she'd probably do bank loans and things. So mm. they're two very different kinds of way that women start businesses mm. and um, anyone starts businesses but I'm looking at sort of female entrepreneurs yeah. in this instance and and I sort of know that I really I would like that next year I can go to America and and grow in America and to do that I would need to raise it you know so then mm. then I'm back into the fundraising thing but I but I know now I'm in this, this is a really tough one Emma at what stage you feel not imposter syndrome, but, you know, I have... My partner said to me, Trini, you need to realise you're... It is successful now. Mm. And you don't totally acknowledge that all the time because you're mm. always thinking, you know, am I doing enough? There is that feeling in things. And I sometimes, like, I walk in this door of where we are now and I'll see Trini London on the lift, nothing, and I'll come in and everyone will be busy and buzzing. And, mm. and I kind of love, I love seeing... <laughs> These girls grow up in the company. They start as a assistant, then they're operations manager. Mm. You know, I love seeing that and, and being a woman who's not in her 20s anymore. Mm. It makes me feel full of excitement that a part of their career has been here. Mm. You know, I think that's kind of... You look at things slightly differently in your 50s. Yes. 
I can, can completely imagine. But also the imposter syndrome thing is is really interesting, I think. And I did a, a whole episode on this quite recently with an expert. And I wonder, has it does it hold you back from enjoying the successes? At 15 minutes and 8 seconds, there was okay. the alarm F did... There was alarm. <laughs> I think... Did Blair. I, I feel the word imposter syndrome I have difficulty with. Okay. Because I hate labels. Mm. But it's one commonly used. Mm-hmm. And I used to call it that sense that somebody would tap you on the shoulder and say, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Because mm. I think people feel that for different reasons. I know I felt it because when I was in my early 20s and I was going a bit mad and doing too many of everything, um, I did jobs for a year and then I had to go to another job for a year. So I never felt that I had the foundation Mm. that I could say, I do this job. So I'd always big up my job. Mm. Oh, I'm responsible for this, that and the other, and I wasn't. But I (laughs) needed to prove to myself that I was. And the difference with this is that I do know that I put the foundation in. I do know that mm. I work hard. I do know that I can look and see the business is growing. I do know it won't disappear overnight. Mm. I do know we are growing in customers every month. I do know that people love it, which is the most important thing. Mm. And I do know that people come back for more. Mm. So like, if I sit here with you, Emma, and I go, I know all this, so what does it tell me? Then I'll think, I have a business. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to... I don't own a house at the moment, which I find quite proof of I've got somewhere in life and right. I had to sell my house mid way of this business starting because I needed funding and to live really and I had a big mortgage and I couldn't afford all the expenses so I think in three years maybe I'll be able to afford my own house and it did Blair F again <laughs> and it Blair again so I think in three years I'll be able to afford my own house and then I'll think okay 55 58 all right you know where will I be don't know mm. but there's certain things you you know, we all as women say, if you have done this, that's a mark of success. Yeah. And they're all different things mm. for everybody. But owning the home you live in traditionally has been one for me. Mm. Mortgage-free is like the thing I dream mm. about that I think that would never be. But I would love in three years I could get a home and have it soon mortgage-free. Yeah. That would feel really, really good. Simple pleasures, actually, but big ones. One of the things I was going to ask you, actually, because you have had... Not different incarnations, but obviously you had TV, you had columns, so you've done lots of different things. And I had Kate Somerville on the podcast recently. Yeah. And I was, before we hit record, actually, I was saying, oh, I feel really guilty about my magazine years because I don't think I ever really thought about my reader. I thought about advertisers, beauty brands. Yeah. And she said, but that's the stepping stone that got you here. So you mustn't feel bad about it because you learned the lesson you were supposed to learn. Yeah. Now you are the opposite of that. Do you feel that this is... Um, maybe when you were talking about doing those years those jobs for a year at a time kind of kind of you know scattering around the world trying to find a place yeah is this your place and were they actually the building blocks that you needed to to create trini london they would because you know that most when you feel less regret in your life so Mm. i I think one thing my partner has taught me i hate the word partner (coughs) my best friend has taught me Mm -hmm. is to live very much in the present and sometimes in our life we have to live in the present because the past or the future is too painful to live in and I think what I do a lot more in the last two years is I live in the moment Mm. and that really means you don't dwell on the past I know that when I was 28 and I I you know 
stopped being a bit mad that I was very grateful for all those difficult times because I kind of had seen a lot Mm. and I'd had a lot of things happen by the time I was that age. And it did set me up in different ways of life. Like in a year, four of my best friends died. And what's really interesting in that is I I made a decision subconsciously that I wouldn't have one best friend again. I would have a series of friends but I wouldn't have one person that I'd tell everything to mm. because I'd had an experience where twice they died. Right. And so there's certain things which do cause you to then go in a certain direction. Mm. And so I don't think that's a good or bad thing. I think that's just for me, the mm. decision I made. And I think I've always spent many years... You were saying at the very beginning, and this is something I really want to talk to you about, like I want you to be my morning counsellor this morning. I'm up. I'll but, do it, I'll um, do it. That thing of work, balance, family, friendship, life. Mm. Because it's... Funnily enough, I feel that the my daughter and I, I have a good work balance with her because she will just... She has tremendous confidence being nearly a single child because my um, my uh, her father had a son before, but he's 10 years older, mm. uh, called Zach, who's adorable, and treats her... He's not like two-year-older brother who puts her down. So she has tremendous confidence... And she speaks to me, she goes to boarding school, she speaks to me about seven times a day. And, you know, she had her 16th birthday at home and they were doing sort of, they would, I have to show you nearly, but they were doing like um, fireside, piano, you know, sing songs. No boys there. You know, it was just, I was thinking, me at 16? Her at 16? What happened? Did we regress? What happened? But whatever happened at the moment, I'm just like grateful. Mm. Um, But the thing that's harder for me is that I haven't felt I've seen so much of my friends. Mm. And, you know, when we started this podcast, when it was Caroline and Nadine and you and I, and I mentioned this very briefly, um, has it improved since then? That was probably about a year ago. Mm. I feel I've... I put enough into friendships in my 30s and 40s that I've still got mm. some room in the bank. Like I called up this girlfriend of mine, Sasha, whose name all... I'm, I mean, I remind my, my friends they're every day products. because they're all products, <laughs> all right? So that's kind of good because then it does constantly remind me I must call Sasha or Katinka or <laughs> Catherine or Electra or Pia or Wiggle. You know, they're, they're daily with me, which is... it's a re- It was actually retrospectively because then I'll think, oh my Genius. God, I haven't spoken to my sister. Um, and so I think I have enough in the bank. So I spoke to her yesterday and... And I said, are you here over Christmas? Suddenly thinking I'm here over Christmas because my daughter's doing studies and I don't know when this will go out exactly. But I, it was that sense of, we literally, you know when you talk about picking up where you left off, but it, mm. was, it was, I haven't spoken to her for since September, but it was like I spoke to her two minutes ago. And because we've had a long enough friendship. So mm. I've got enough of those women in my life. And there is this little part of me when I think to the future that thinks when I'm easing off the pedal, when I'm 60 they'll still just about remember me and then I can reignite and say, let's go on holidays together and let's have lunch once a week, you know. I don't know, but I'm hoping that's the case. Well, I'm trying to bring back the phone call because I oh, feel I think like... that's such a good idea, Emma. Tell me Thank about you. it. Yes. Yeah, so I have felt so disconnected from so many of my friends in the last couple of years because it's always about making a plan to meet and then inevitably somebody cancels yeah. or you postpone and then yeah. you realise... 
it's a year before you've seen that yeah. person again. And it was happening the other day and I just was messaging a friend and I said, I'm going to call you. And we chatted for an hour and it was amazing. Mm. And then we saw each other the following evening and we had a lovely... And it was only for an hour because she was in London for barely yeah. any time. And I said, look, let's just grab a wine at the station. It'll be great. And it was so brilliant, but it was all on the phone call. And my friend Hannah called me at the beginning of the year, actually. And, and she said, I took a while to answer. And she said, did you hesitate to pick up because you thought I was ringing to tell you someone had died? And I said, oh my God, actually, yes, a little bit. <laughs> Because I hadn't spoken to her in such a long yeah. time. But to see her name come up on my phone, we just all text. So, yeah. Okay, how often does your phone ring? Oh, less than once a day. Okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. But let's, I mean, everyone who's listening as well, think about this. Because it's like, you know that thing when you always think, this is me more than anybody else. So, mm. Lila will call me, Charles will call me, and my sister will call me. Mm. Maybe... My CEO will call me. Mm. He will call me, actually. And um, my assistant will call me. Nobody else. Mm. Literally nobody else. All my work, all my friendships, everything. So if I'm organising a podcast with Andy Podicum from Headspace, it's all done on email. It is, okay. So everything. You don't, you don't speak. So I like this idea of bringing back the phone. Yeah. I really do, because the other thing is when we are not in a good place... We control how our friends know about it mm. because you can control when you're in touch with them. The wonderful thing about the telephone is you might catch somebody when they're feeling... They've picked up some reason because there's a subconscious part of them that feels it's sort of telling them you need to talk to somebody. Mm. But you, you encounter somebody and you say, how are you? And they go, fine. And then it's always good to follow up with, no, really, how are you? Mm. Because there's that automatic, oh, great, and how are you? Mm. And I think by giving... So I do call a few people when I know they've been having a tough time. Right. And just to get them in a vulnerable moment so they can just actually mm. talk about how they're feeling. Yeah, it's true. And a text, you wouldn't do that because a text you'd like to sign when to answer. You know what I mean? Mm. You kind of control the conversation more. Yes, it's true. I think we definitely need to bring back the phone call in 2020. But also, it's minded me this year, not just me, but loads of my friends have had huge years. Like, I look at you, and it's just going... From where I sit, where most of the time I see it on Instagram, yeah. it just looks like it's soaring. Like, Or maybe even you've kind of... You've done the takeoff, and now you're at cruising altitude, and they're serving the champagne and well, everything. Not quite, no, I'd say, I'd say I'm still... <laughs> It's like I'm... Yeah, I haven't reached cruising yet. Do you know what cruising will feel like? That's a thing. I don't know if I'll ever know. I don't know if... I No, I, I'm not a cruising yet. But then there'll always be another mountain that's mm. there. So... It's such a difficult question to answer, Emma. Mm. I think I don't know what it's like. I, I think... No, I don't think yeah, any of us yeah, do. All the yeah. people that I know who run their own businesses... So you think about Caroline Hirons, yeah. Nadine Baggett, you... Yeah. No, no one has a stop. And you've said something really interesting about what you're like in business. And you said, I'm like an accelerator and you need a break. Yeah. And I, but I really, I love that quality in people. The people who just reach a certain point and like go, what next? Yeah. What can we do next? I hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Love that. Yeah. Because I feel if you cruise, you're going backwards, you're not standing still. And I do believe that in business because Mm. I know that when... There were a couple of moments when I pushed Susanna and I more Mm. and we were at standing still. And I think if I hadn't pushed us, also because we had different sense of what we wanted. So Susanna was, you know, three children with a husband, bought the house in the country. Mm. And I was separated, single child, sole breadwinner. Mm. So you have a different, slightly different agenda totally different, you know yeah. and um and i think that that really pushes you so my my agenda is very much um i don't want to worry i've been through some phases where i've really worried about money mm. like i've really you know i've been through quite a few phases in my life so when you've had those phases where you really worry about money and people might listen and think what's worrying about money so worrying about money to me is how do i pay the mortgage this month um what happens if I can't? And then that, do I even want to open my eyes to that domino effect of Mm -hmm. what then will happen, you know? And it's like that living in that, in that pressure for about six or nine months. Um, Thinking what else can I cut? So all those little excesses I have and what can I cut away? Um, And then that's the thing because you've had that, it will easily come back. So at the moment I don't earn a huge amount because I don't pay myself a huge Mm -hmm. amount. Somebody, I live with my my um, best friend, and so the roof over my head is his concern, not mine. Mm. But everything in my life I have to do. So I was looking at my expenses and thinking I've spent too much money on clothing. Mm. And I haven't had that feeling for a while. And I'd just done so much Zara shopping, and, and I just have... For this, content, listeners, for content, yeah, for your yeah, TV for, for content, but also me, mm. you know, just like, <laughs> oh, i got to have that, i got to have that, i got to have that. And, I, and because you feel it's Zara, you know, we all have our price point of what's a mid-range. Mm. So for me, a Zara coat is a mid-range coat in terms of what I like in my wardrobe. Mm. So a Primark coat is amazing, but generally not, you can't get a good one. Um, Zara is going to be that sort of 89 pounds to 119 and mm. then the really expensive I'm now Vestia Collective Addict so my <laughs> New Year's resolution I don't know when it's going out Emma but I've just got to say my New Year's resolution is I've made a huge rail now of, of sale I took half of it to Oxfam this morning mm. like I took 20 shirts 30 which Oxfam? yeah uh, <laughs> on um, floods uh, on uh, Shawfield Street <laughs> But I just took a load of stuff there. I've got them another 30 things. I'm going to sell them on Bestia Collective. I'm going to only buy with the money that I make from Bestia oh. any other clothes. And so if I want things, I'm going to... And I wanted to try and do this last year. And I 
didn't get my head around it because you know you have the stuff you you get the stuff on the rail mm-hmm. and then you just don't take further action mm-hmm. so I thought over Christmas I'm not going away my poor daughter is I've turned into a tiger mother so she's going to be like <laughs> on this path of revision because she's got GCSEs <laughs> I mean like she's like funny enough she's not complaining too much and I think she knows she has to study so mm-hmm. it's kind of great that she's grown up that much so I thought I'm going to spend my time Marie Kondoing like it would make Marie Kondo look like an amateur. You know, I just, I want to literally, and I did now, I did this thing, oh, I love this, I can't wait, I can't wait to do this Classic Fashions. So I've done sequins, shirts, mm. tops, everything. And then I thought, I want to do, just to, because a lot of people say, oh, Zara, environment, oh, you know, all fashion. that stuff, fast yeah. fashion. And I thought to myself, to me, fast fashion is about how you use things in your wardrobe and how long you've had them and how often you use them and how often you buy things that you never wear. Right. That's fast fashion because you buy it, you never wear it, you get rid of it, it goes in a landfill if it's, you know, mm. that's that part. So I then did my 20 favorite things I ever bought from Zara. They're on a rail. Starting with 11 years ago, a broadery anglaise coat that I still wear. With no link. <laughs> no link. This will be no link, but what this... Really, to me, because a part of me thought, where's the instant gratification? Mm. Well, certain cultish Zara things are on eBay and they're on Vestiaire Collective because mm. they will really wear a cultish thing. Yeah. And I've the amount of times I've put into, you know, I want people to get into that sense that if they see something I'm wearing and I tell them how it's described the best, they can literally go onto Google mm. and they can find that at eBay Vestiaire, mm. one of those resale sites. Mm. Because... I think I could do that for the next three months Mm. and I'm going to try and do it. And I want to just see the wood for the trees in my wardrobe. I'm feeling I've got too much. I know I have too much. I did it in 2018. I trimmed it down to 33 items. What, in your whole wardrobe? Mm. Oh my God, Emma. I mean, that that makes me feel (laughs) sick. That makes me feel (laughs) sick because I probably have... Including shoes. A thousand items. (laughs) Are you kidding? No, I'm actually thinking, am I underestimating? Wow. That's the thing. But this is a 30-year archive. Yeah. So I have dresses there that are 30 years old. Well, that's different. That's like a proper wardrobe. Mine was just... I mean, I had something like 27 white shirts, white T-shirts. But if you had... Oh, so... No, all right. You went from what, what number to 33? Oh, I reckon it was probably about... Probably wasn't that much. It was probably about 250. You went to 33. And what are you at now? I'm still probably only at around 60, 70. Nadine Baggett came round to my flat recently and looked in the wardrobe and went, where where are the rest of your clothes? (laughs) Because she's obviously got a whole room, which is a welcome wardrobe. And she went, is this this honestly everything that you wear? And I went, yeah. And she said, oh God, we need to take you to Vista. (laughs) So how does that... I'm really interested to know then... Because your priorities in life, because you are by experience a beauty journalist, mm. so that's been at the forefront. What's in your bathroom compared to other people? Again, that's quite lean. It is. Mm. It really is. It's just the functional stuff that really works. I don't like. I don't like things to be there for ornamental purposes yeah. unless it is an ornament. Okay. So I have okay. a little tray that is. A couple of antioxidant serums, a couple of hydrating serums, yeah. a couple of peel pads, I've got body lotion. You know, it's, I try to keep it quite lean. I don't like fuss and nonsense. Yeah. Cause it's, I find Where it are the excess in your life? Oh, 
seriously, where are the excesses in your life? Because there's, I feel a woman. I mean, I'm I'm thinking if you're always in such control of these, is it possible a woman can have that in everything? No, I feel there's always a release. Oh well, yes, there is, and interestingly, God, you're you're good. I have not known how to really talk about this on the podcast because it's such a contentious and emotive uh, subject. But I guess it used to be food. Okay. And then I read a book recently called Brain Over Binge. And I opened it, literally, Amazon man delivered yeah. it at 11 o'clock in the morning, cancelled my afternoon, read it cover to cover, literally eight-hour stretch, sat highlighting it, and it just reprogrammed. All those times when I used to treat myself, where I was, because I guess money has always been a bit lean yeah. and tight, yeah. it's really easy to celebrate with food because, mm-hmm. you know, you can get something for under a pound (laughs) yeah but would you say when you were going through that phase was there a slight because I think all of these feelings because I had it with drugs is that sense of you're not satisfied there's Mm. some you know you have an appetite that hasn't been satisfied so when I put down the drugs I definitely picked up clothing Oh, definitely picked up clothing because it would be that feel good it would be, how can I get that feel good? Oh, in fact, now that you say it, my ASOS deliveries have picked up a notch. Because I've only, I read this book. Um, oh, you mean, so how recent has it been where you feel you have a recognition over your relationship with food in a better light? First week of October. Okay. And so since then, have you, did, was there action in that book that has helped you to have a step away and understanding? Totally. Okay. It's literally just the, the fact of every time there's an urge... You can override it and just go, no. Okay. And so I do. So I've lost like a stone and a half without trying. Yeah. And I'm buying more clothes. (laughs) Okay. That's, you know what? I think you sound healthy. You know, it's like, because I think the one, if you subdue the one that's the most active, which is the one that's the most damaging, Mm. and then you have some understanding on it, to start another one is okay once you've had, for the first time, that realisation mm. because then it gives you an understanding of any kind of lack of control, whatever you want to call it, addiction, whatever you want to call it. Because mm. I, you know, I had that... I think I had that with drugs and then I put it down. Then I had it a little bit with clothing, but I was on a very limited budget. And then, like, 99, I started an internet business and then I had it with work. Ah. so work you know Susanna was having a baby and I call her at 8 15 in the morning say why aren't you in the office she said I'm breastfeeding I said well excuse me and I was you know I, I would look at my diary and if there weren't 19 meetings in the day I would say isn't there more I need to do mm. I mean I was so fueled and it really went some way to changing my marriage and in my marriage also I went from not being the main breadwinner to being the main breadwinner. Uh-huh. And then once you make that transition with a partner, it changes the dynamic between mm-hmm. a man and a woman. I and bet. it did change the dynamic. So then I did, then that's sometimes, sometimes with things like this, they're either involuntarily taken away from us, which that was because the business folded. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of take a step back. I went somewhere for a week, had a really spiritual week, like you had a spiritual time reading that book, you mm-hmm. know, just that sort of an awakening. And then I came back and I said, whatever's coming, I'm ready. Mm. And then the BBC called up the next week and said, will you do what not to work? So that was kind of that, that defining moment. But with... 
not wanting to interrupt you, yeah. but was it because in that when you went in that spiritual place, did you let go of I let what go. was behind you? I let go of it. Yeah. I, it was like I let go of the need the need to use that to define me in whatever way I felt mm. I needed defining because I didn't feel my self-worth was good enough because ultimately mm. it all boils down to one self-worth and yeah, yeah, yeah. things. So I let go of that. And I think where my working ethic is different in this business is because there I hired middle management too early, so I ran a really lean business with mm. very young people in it, which meant more work for me, but it allowed the business to get off the ground without eating away at cash right, and right. that's that's kind of was key and it and that was really I was really looked back and thought I mustn't repeat whatever mistake so one mm. was over hiring too early the other was um being a workaholic mm. so you know I made a decision that I would always try and leave the office by seven mm-hmm. and I used to get in at 8 a.m and now I'll get in by 10 if I haven't got something else because I might do a meeting at home but mm. I'll I'll give a and I'll give myself a proper awakening to my day because three days a week I have to have a very early awakening. Mm. So the other two, if I linger at the house till 10, that's fine. And that's actually made me calmer and I come in the office less stressed. And so I remember I met many, many years ago this guy called Jim Robinson. He used to run American Express. And he was a phenomenal CEO. This is like in the 90s. And he said, Trini, nobody needs to come in for nine and leave after five if they have the right Mm. attitude and sense of how they use each hour. It's a good point, isn't (laughs) it? I know, it was a good point, because it's like we can meander in the day or we can get into such a stress position Mm. where we get nothing done. Or we'll pick up one thing and then put it down and pick up another, because our brain, we need to reset our brain. So I then started, don't do it so often, but in the first two years of this business before we launch and launch, I did meditation mm. properly every few days. And that really calmed me. I haven't done it now for a few months, but I have it on my phone. And it's one that I do with a guy. And it's very guided. So, mm. you know, he did these ones. I, don't, I can't remember if I told you this before, but this is, is a very good one. That if you feel somebody in your life is controlling you. Right. Okay. Ears prick up. Yeah. All right. Okay. So if you feel somebody in your life is controlling you and you feel you live your life through how they treat you a bit, and I think as any person listening, we have all to some extent been mm. in that situation. So I did this sort of visualization where I imagined them sitting opposite me on a, on a chair and they got smaller and smaller and smaller. They're so small, their legs hardly go over the lift of the chair. <laughs> then they're lying on a chaise lawn next to me and they get tiny and tiny, they become the size of a doll. <laughs> but like really, really visualise it. And it's amazing how that physical visualisation of mm. them getting smaller, 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 their significance is like gone. A very good friend of mine, my friend Katie, said to me once, I was really upset about something. And I told her the dynamics. I told my side of the story and this, that and the other. And she just said, you know, Emma, it's only going to be a big deal if you make it a big deal. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, shut your mouth and <laughs> sympathise. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so true. And every time I can feel myself getting angry about anything, I think it's only a big deal if you allow this to grow in your head. Mm. Um, what I wanted to ask you as well, actually, just talking about the accelerator thing and about relaxing a bit yeah. and finding that being uh, more productive. What I find is, um, and I know I'm guilty of doing it, is that because I feel like I've come to this, a nice balance where I can be productive, I need efficiency around me. And if 
the people around me, if I'm in a working situation, aren't being particularly efficient mm-hmm. or I feel like mm-hmm. I'm repeating myself for the fourth time. Mm-hmm. It brings out a nasty colour on me. It's not mm-hmm. teal, really. Yes. Have you have you experienced that? Well, like a thousandfold, <laughs> okay. like a thousandfold. I had it first thing this morning because I I've had a. What I'm not good at is telling people the real reason why I might be upset. Oh yes. Okay, and that's yes. a, that's a tough one. So I got in this morning and I my sister kept calling me and my mum has gone because she's she's unwell and she's gone to hospital. So I come out the management meeting I'm in and then I they sort of stop the meeting and then I say, no, no, let's continue the meeting. I go back in. I said, let's, con- let's finish off. And they say, are you sure? I said, I'm fine. But I was quite like, what are we doing this? What are we doing? I felt this change in me. And then I have a bugbear. I have a new product I want to launch in May, which I want it to be a thousand things. And at the moment it's not. And I want it to be something that you really haven't got anywhere else. And that it does these amazing things. And it's still a bit of skincare and a bit of makeup. So it's, it's kind of, and we're not there yet. Mm. And I'm frustrated because I realise I my priority should be spending 90% of my time getting this formula right. right. And I'm having to run lots of part of the business. So then I just then, you know, I saw that the NPD were having a sort of meeting in the boardroom with somebody on Facebook who runs NPD. So I went and I said, I need to just... So I just said, OK, I'm not happy. You tell me we can only have 1% vitamin C in Australia. I don't believe that. Can we launch a skincare brand? And then it doesn't have to be a makeup product. It can be a skincare brand with pigment. So can we do that? And I want 20 women in the office, and I don't want the girls in the office. I want women of 40 to 60, and I want to test three of these different formulas we're at on these 60 women in the office, and I want everyone to write it down, and I want this all done by next week. I left the meeting thing, and, and I didn't give them time mm. to respond. You know, I just said, and that's what I want. And then, and then Claire said, okay, well, we'll find out about it. I said, also, do you understand how we're marketing this? Do you understand... Because if we tell a story around a product, the ingredients have to deliver, but the story we tell and the ability for me to tell that story and to start the conversation around that story is key. Mm. And it still is. I wish it wasn't, but Mm. it still is key. So like with Miracle Blur, I knew I wanted to take away my lines around my mouth. So it took forever to get this formula that would be universal color, that would go in, that would diffuse. So telling the story like we can do an ad on it and Mm. we'll do an ad on Facebook and whatever and then I have this thing I did on Facebook and when you boost on Facebook through using Facebook ads you use original content and the Mm. more it has a tail to it in terms of comments and stuff so this miracle blur miracle blur is sold we sold literally one every 23 seconds Mm. right but I then looked at the weekend and usually Facebook might have you know 30 to 100,000 views Anyway, this has 3.2 million, this piece of content. And I know in my head that I need to be able, with whatever product we're developing, to tell a story Mm. that I emphatically know is a personal story that other women will identify Mm. with. And that is the premise of every single one of our products. And it must always be. So somebody's going on this little tangent saying, well, I can't get enough this. It's like, think out the fucking box, (laughs) will you? Think out the box. This is me in the meeting. Think out the box. Yeah, yeah. You know, some junior has told you only 1% in Australia. I buy 15, 20% vitamin C things in Australia and skincare. So I don't believe you. Mm. Don't just take it as fact. Yeah. But that's, so that's, that was a very long way to say, of saying, I heard about my mum mm. and that's how it comes out. Right. I can't then 
say, oh, I'm really not having a good day today because my mum is on my... Is that because you don't want to be seen as the boss who is having a weekday? Um, it's 50% that. And it's 50% because I have a detached relationship with my mother, Emma. Mm. That's what it is, too. So if it was Lila and I, mm. it would be very different. Right. I would imagine Lila would be really upset because I feel we have an intimacy which I hope will continue into adulthood. Mm. Um, but I think I saw my mother not that much when I grew up. And I went to boarding school from six and a half and mm. they lived abroad. And so the ability to have that, and it was a different era, it was the 60s and 70s, to have that intimate relationship mm. where you really know what's going on with each other and you're honest with each other did not exist. Right. So my mother has vascular dementia. I saw her on Sunday. She was very detached. And... I've already let go of her. Right. So there was that thing also of, you know how we can either so latch onto drama to justify our thing or mm. so reject the drama. Yeah. It's one or the other. I never do a middle ground. I'm the same. In fact, my new tagline, literally my tagline of 2019, if I was a real housewife of London, yeah. which is an aspiration, by the way, <laughs> it would be, I just can't stand fuss and nonsense because I feel like it doesn't take very much for it to bring me up to like full temper mm -hmm. breakdown not yeah. breakdown but just rage yeah like please don't present me with fuss and nonsense i'm going to ask you questions that simply require a yes or no answer. so what do you define as fuss and nonsense um asking lots of unnecessary questions ask just uh noise that isn't necessary mm -hmm. just let's just be efficient what, what are we trying to achieve here even if it's for example um i snapped at my brother at the weekend because christmas is coming up and so I've done an online shopping order. I've set it all up. And I said, look, here's my password. Here's my login. Just go in and add what you want. But obviously none, no one's been checking out. And I'm just like, right, I'm doing as much as I can. I just need you to press the checkout button because otherwise I'm locked out, okay? So that was fuss and nonsense. And I didn't have a rage. I just said, come on, just help me out here. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Just check the damn order out. <laughs> is that really grumpy? No, that's so efficient. It is. It's like one just wants efficiency. Yes, efficiency mm. really. Yeah. And I think that's why when I did that wardrobe clean out. I'm so impressed by this. I'm still reeling from your wardrobe clean out. I'll show you the pictures of my wardrobe afterwards. <coughs> you, you will need a sit down and a gin. Um, it, but actually what it did is it filtered into the rest of my life because also I started doing it at a time when I was on my journey out of depression and anxiety. Mm. I was with, uh, being helped by a therapist and it felt like that became a very significant moment of that makes you feel mentally clear and calm mm -hmm. and safe and you understand the environment around you. So mm -hmm. it filtered into my office and it filtered into the kitchen and it filtered into the living Everywhere. room. Everywhere, yeah. So, One yeah. needs that order in your life yeah. for your brain to feel uncluttered. I'm brain like that. But I didn't realise that until... Mm until I started doing it. It's one of the most helpful things I ever say to people. Like, if you're having a shitty day, just clean out the utensil drawer. I know, I do. I mean, I, I don't know how many shitty days I'm having because I get home thinking, I'd love to sit and watch telly with my partner, but I quite like to do my shirts. <laughs> you know, seriously, that's, that's, that is a little bit at the moment because, and I know what it is, and it's exactly what you say, but I have a very short commute which is fantastic I mean it's literally across the road <laughs> so um I've never had that commute in my life I've had incredibly long commutes in my life and so I am full on here until I leave mm. and then I arrive home and then I'm how was your day and how are you doing and what's going on mm. 
And then what I do now is I then say, okay, I'm just going to get my dinner, but I'll potter and take a while getting dinner because mm-hmm. I just need that wind down time. Yeah. But if I could, I might get home and want to fold some jumpers. Or so, just like, there is that, like last night when I did this with a friend and she came around, she knows my wardrobe. I mean, when you have a girlfriend who knows your wardrobe so well that she goes, oh, that was on 19... That was our 2003 Zara moment, wasn't it? I mean, she literally... There are some moments we shared together, and then she went back on her Zara orders, and she found her Zara orders back to 2014. And she, do you remember that one we bought? And we thought, oh, why did we get rid of that? <laughs> um, and she has an obsession with clothing, but she, funnily enough, is a very different role, because she is a... Um, she worked on the Genome Project at Cambridge, and she now runs a a bio company in America worth like $800 million. You know, I mean, she's kind of, she's she the brainiest like woman I know. She is, she is, she's the smartest woman I have met in my entire life who likes fashion, <laughs> <laughs> who loves fashion and she's so smart. Because the two are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, they are not. But, um, yeah, we do, we all need that calm time. We all need that calm time. It does. I now can't, if I'm sitting at home and I think, right, I'm going to watch, I don't know if you're watching the morning show on Apple TV. Oh my God. I've been watching, I found it a tiny bit slow. Yeah, but... Little, but you still like it. You see, does your, do you have a man in your life? No. Okay. If I didn't have a man in my life, I'd be watching it more. (laughs) But he was like, oh, I'm a bit bored by this. And so we then watched what he wanted to watch. Oh, okay. It's a bit of that. It's like, what would you like to watch, Trini? What about this or this? Mm. Meaning choose the second one. Right. <laughs> There's a little bit of that. <laughs> Should we watch this or this? And I say, well, I could do He said, well, we could watch the other one. You know, I think, why didn't you just say you would like to watch this? But he's, he's very good at saying, let it be your decision. Mm. Okay, so that's interesting, bring it back to the business. Because mm. of, I mean, we're in this incredible room full of all of your products, and I know that you're going to be giving me a, a, a makeup moment, the, yeah. The, yeah. The newness soon. But... As you say, like the buck stops with you and it has to feel authentic. It has to not feel, it has to be authentic. Yeah. And it has to be the best that it can possibly be. So you're not giving anyone options of, should we do this or should we do this? You're saying, we're, we're effing doing this. Mm-hmm. And where does that grit? Is that grit that you just have in the business place or does that translate to other parts of your life? Or is it the muscle that you really formed as a businesswoman? I think? think it's definitely primarily in business it's a little bit with my daughter because I'll be very giving her lots of rope and then I'll go I'll just say no or we're doing this mm-hmm. and she'll go why and I, we're doing it I don't care and I, I won't even let her have a discussion on it right. so I can be a little bit like that but generally we kind of you know always mutually agree on stuff and in my personal life I think the you know, there are some people who have relationships with people who buy into their pain and suffering. And there are other people who buy into their glow of magic, mm. you know? And the person I'm with... So if I'm down in pain and suffering, probably he feels it difficult to know how to help Mm. and men always want to have a solution and when I'm feeling empowered he loves me I feel more you know it's just that Mm. sense of because we want to see people the best they are Mm. it's like I have girlfriends who are in the center of the drama and somehow they'll always have a ton of friends in their life who are going through the most appalling things 
And I think they attract that. I had Mandy Saligari on this podcast recently and she talked about that being one of the things that you can be addicted to, being addicted to drama. And I'd never thought about that. Mm. And then I thought about friends of mine and I thought, oh, there's always, always something going on. Yeah. Always. And always like going on with the, all their friends. Mm. You know, so it's, so it's, I, ha- I have a friend I love dearly, but there's always some enormous thing going on. And there's only so much I can live in that atmosphere mm. because I just, I can't totally live in it because I don't particularly like people, places, things, conversations. You know, I'm not, I think I spent many years feeling a little bit less than socially inept and feeling if I knew something about somebody, it would make me feel that people would like me more. Mm. And that's what leads people to gossip. And then, mm. like in 24, I, I found out, in a, in a sort of really to my detriment, that I'd said something inappropriate. Mm. And somebody else had heard and it really upset them. Yeah. So from that moment, I think I decided I never want to be the person who said, oh, but I know, da 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 Because yeah. I just feel it's like, there's something not... There is something not nice about it, you know. There's only one thing you... I can't remember the expression that I often use in my head, but you can only... You can keep your word, you know? If someone tells you something or gossips I haven't heard it before in that form, but I see exactly what you're saying, yeah. But the only thing I can keep is is my word. Yeah. And so if somebody tells me something, I take keeping confidences really seriously. Yeah. For exactly the same reason. Yeah. Because I have been loose-lipped in the past, not Mm. meaning to cause any harm because of social currency, because of wanting other people to like me. Yeah, it's, you say it so much more eloquently. I took 15 <laughs> minutes to say something you said in three seconds. It's exactly that. It's just that, yeah, it's exactly that. It is. Right, now, um, we've come to the end of our time together, which yes, is darling. awful and horrible, because this has been just what I needed. Well, good. I, I hope I, it's been weird. Yes, I, I don't know yet, because I'm just still looking, thinking, my God, death warmed up. De- I mean, I'm death warmed up. I just felt I woke up and I haven't had enough sleep, and it's... I always think Monday. you're super energetic, oh. Oh. super glamorous. You always like you you look so well put together and I turn up in my polo neck and my jeans. But I probably actually tried on about three things this morning to wear what I'm wearing. Okay. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Some days I'll do it in a flash, but then I thought I'm doing nothing today and then I looked and I thought, Oh, I'm seeing you and then I have some filming and then so I was gonna wear I can't remember what I was gonna wear. But I changed. So you are the swan, gliding on the surface, but there's all Oh, there's so much flapping. (laughs) So much flapping going on, yeah. But now we're both going to become swans. We are, because we're going to put on makeup. And to watch that, listeners, all you have to do is go to my IGTV or Trini's IGTV. The links to follow and watch and subscribe will be in the show notes. And obviously the links to Trini London. And if you haven't, please go and do that match to me online. It really is a genius, genius service. Just to find out what suits you what will suit you it's really utterly brilliant i've done it and i swear by my stacks all of those links will be in the show notes but trini thank you so much for coming back thank you for having me thank you so much for listening i really hope that you enjoyed that episode of the podcast if you want to get in touch with me it really couldn't be easier just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com I cannot wait to hear from you and I love, love your messages. So please do get in touch. If you would rather DM me on social media and there's nothing wrong with that, I'm at Emma Guns on Twitter and Instagram and I will very happily reply to any and all DMs. 
And if you want to chat to me, but maybe also your fellow listeners to this podcast, your other most excellent listeners, then why not click the link in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode, and click the link to join the Facebook forum. You just have to answer the questions, agree to the forum rules, and you'll be welcomed in with open arms. Can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.